read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. It's a hard truth of American politics that many state and federal lawmakers base their decisions and votes almost exclusively on how it will impact their own political futures. Often even hugely momentous life and death votes are cast with an eye to the polls and the views of TV talking heads, rather than the likely impact on the lives of real people. And then there are legislators like North Carolina State Representative John Autry, a leader whose top concern is usually how his actions will impact the lives of his grandchildren and their peers. Earlier this week, I caught up with the Mecklenburg County lawmaker, and as I learned in our refreshing chat, when it comes to an array of issues, be it attacks on transgender students, efforts to expand school vouchers, the health of our environment, or the possibility of using psychedelics to develop new therapies for PTSD, Autry is a man who keeps his eyes fixed squarely on the future. Well, State Representative John Autry, welcome to News and Views. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate the opportunity. Really do. Boy, oh boy, so much going on at the General Assembly these days, and enough to make all of our heads swim. But one of the first things maybe I want to ask you about is this seems in many ways might be sort of the latest version of HB2. We've got this new so-called Fairness in Women's Sports Act, which is um, really targeting transgender kids, in particular transgender girls, trying to say they can't participate in sports. I know you've spoken out on it, have some thoughts about it. Would you share some of those with us? Well, it, it's personal. I have a grandchild who is a transgender, and this means that the state is saying <laughs> all children are valuable and they need to be protected, but these children maybe not so much, and that's a problem for me. And I find it interesting that when so many economic development wins for North Carolina in the recent years that they want to put their toe back into the social war waters once again. Did they not learn anything from HB2? What I'm struck by, of course, is there's so many needs in our schools right now. Our schools are struggling in so many ways. We're hemorrhaging teachers. We have a lot of crumbling schools in a lot of rural areas. There's so many needs. We don't have enough basic staff. Kids are struggling, worried about gun violence in their schools. And this stuff is sort of the top education, high profile priority for the, for the General Assembly's majority this session. I, I guess they must have some reason for doing this. It is striking that it seems it, to likely to harm our state rather than help it. Well, I, I think at their annual convention, Alec runs a poll and Alec, you know, the American Legislative Exchange Council, uber conservative, corporate funded think tank of policy to retain power to a certain few. And I think we know who we're talking about. And that party has, has bought into all of those programs. And North Carolina, when Amendment 1, the marriage ban, Senator Tom Tillis was the Speaker of the House. At the same time, he was the national chair of ALEC. So there's a long history of the pipeline from ALEC to North Carolina. And sometimes I feel like North Carolina is ALEC's petri dish. <laughs> there's a lot of um, questionable bacteria growing. It would seem. <laughs> That's a, a gentle way of putting it, I suppose. But we think about all the things that we should be focusing on. Let's talk about guns. 
which no one seems to want to talk about. But so far, I think it was as of the 22nd of April, 12,942 Americans have died in gun-related incidents just this year so far. And 541 of those are children and teens aged 0 to 17. And what day of the year is this? About a third of the way through the year, maybe. We've already had 196 mass shootings in the country. But we should be focused on drag shows. (laughs) And the 15 transgender children in North Carolina who want to play sports. That is the paramount issue of our day. It's it's pretty frustrating. You know, there was a study recently, USA Today published a study that showed that even when you take football out of the math, the overspending, or at least the comparative underspending on women's sports in America is so gigantic. You'd think that that would be the thing. If you really wanted to help women athletes, maybe you'd be raising heck about raising funding for women's sports and dealing with that inequity rather than worrying about making sure that a dozen kids who want to play sports can't play sports. It seems like that might be a better way to help women's sports. Well, isn't sports wagering going to solve all those problems? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, That seems like a a poor bet, perhaps. That's kind of the odds on that. We're talking with State Representative John Autry, who's serving his fourth term uh, from the 100th District in Mecklenburg County. We're talking about the North Carolina General Assembly, and it's a rather remarkable session in which we're in the midst of. Another education issue that is uh, being championed by the majority these days is school vouchers. We're going to we continue to underfund our traditional public schools, and now we're going to move, it appears, to a system in which not only will vouchers be available to very low-income kids, but pretty much to everybody. Uh, it seems as if they really are serious about this move of transforming all North Carolina schools into voucher schools. I'm sure you've been following that legislation, might have some thoughts on it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty disconcerting. Here again, the legislature has carved out $11 million a year that's part of the base budget that goes into the voucher fund. And now I think we have over $60 million, is that correct, in unused funds for the voucher program. So we can't get the vouchers, people using all the vouchers, so we'll raise the threshold for people who can qualify for the voucher so we can give more money of that money away to people who don't necessarily need it. And that is robbing our public schools who have to serve children all across the state. And a lot of those children live in areas where there is no other alternative to the public school except the public school. And we're robbing them of funds. It's, it's death by thousands of cuts. If your objective is to dismantle public education in North Carolina, this is a great way to go about doing it. And the commitment and the hand-wringing that you witness in the building about, well, these kids need alternatives to get the public to better education. Well, put the money in the school system for the better education. Fund Leandro for crying out loud. Is that so tough? You've got a roadmap. You've got a plan to where the money needs to go. And it's not like we ain't got the money. The money's there. And that's the striking thing about it is that with thanks to the recovery efforts, we've got billions of dollars in the bank that could easily uh, foot the bill. Mm-hmm. There is revenue versus expenditures. And we're on a, a path to reduce the corporate income tax rate in North Carolina to zero. And I serve in the bipartisan Economic Development and Foreign Trade Caucus that John Bell and Rob Reeves 
started. And uh, last week we heard from the Economic Development Partnership for North Carolina, and they shared a poll for corporations considering relocating, expanding in North Carolina. And of the top tier items on their list, the corporate tax rate was number seven. Number one was a qualified and ready workforce to help contribute to their bottom line. Those two things are connected. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> right? I mean, it, if we don't have the revenue stream, how is that corporation that wants to come here going to be able to count on North Carolina citizens being prepared to contribute to their bottom line? It seems like a problematic long-term strategy. Well, it ain't going to be sports betting. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. That's another one where I think we share deep concerns that uh, 24-7 digital sports betting is probably not something that's going to work out real well for North Carolinians. But um, there are some interesting bills you've been supporting this session that maybe there's a little hope for. It's not all gloom and doom on Jones Street. And one of those is a bill that would deal with the topic of psychedelics, which has for so long been a, a verboten topic. We wouldn't talk about this, but there's been so much breakthrough research that shows that we can actually use these substances in a positive way. Talk to us about this legislation, what inspired it, and what your hopes are for it. One of my constituents, a conservative Republican, shared with me that they have been suffering with depression and that they were hopeful that psychedelics could be something that they would be able to turn to at some point for some relief because they seem to be resistant to other treatments and therapies. So I said, okay, well, let's talk about it. They had a meeting at their house one evening, one Sunday evening, and we met a couple of advocates and, okay, that's interesting stuff, but, you know, we're here in the short session. Let's consider after we adjourn, getting back together and talking about this more. So there's a nonprofit in Charlotte called Cahoba, and it's manned by uh, those with masters in social work and the talk therapy and, you know, just trying to help people navigate their lives in a lot of ways. But on the last Thursday of every month, they have psychedelics night where they get people who are interested in psychedelics and expansion and the and and the possibilities of using them to to help people with uh, their conditions and it was an interesting group of folks and I spent about an hour in the parking lot with my constituent afterwards discussing what if could we should we do you think how about and so I said well why don't you set up a meeting with the directors of Cahoba and we'll just talk out a strategy and so that was last August. And coming out of that meeting, I said, I should probably reach out to the Scholar Strategy Network and the Duke University Policy Lab and get them to put together a memo of what the, all the possibilities are. Well, the scholars responded first, and they set up a Zoom meeting with about eight or nine PhDs from around the country who are involved in this. One was from Duke and one was from Carolina. And it was everything from depression, PTSD, eating disorders, substance abuse, cluster headaches. Then I met a gentleman in Asheville who suffers from cluster headaches, and he microdoses psilocybin. He takes enough to keep the symptoms of the cluster headaches at bay, but not enough to experience the psychedelic trip experience that 
you know, have right, we hear stigmatized about. The, the whole effort. So from that, put that off to bill drafting, tried to uh, find a couple of the professionals from the scholars networks to help me navigate the process with bill draft drafting. And then I got hooked up with, through them for students for sensible drug policy. And I said, okay, this has got to be an inside game and an outside game. And I turned the outside game over to SSDP and I started working the inside game. And so we had a lobby day press conference that I couldn't have asked for a better experience. The advocates touched about 35 legislators, they said, and even had 10 minutes with the speaker. So I think there, there's a faction of the majority caucus that can wrap their head around this. And certainly with Representative Chesser and Representative Sasser and Representative Goodwin on the bill with me, you've got the only pharmacist serving in the General Assembly as the first prime. Uh, Representative Alan Chesser, an Iraqi veteran who is uh, well acquainted with some of his former service members that have suffered uh, with PTSD and the benefits and, and the advances that they have made from having be able to be treated with psychedelics. And then Ed Goodwin, a Vietnam veteran and one of the chairs of the Military and Veteran Affairs Committee. So our bill is about research on what the clinical application should look like. It's not about the efficacy. We understand what that is and, and, and how that's done. The FDA and the Veterans Administration have, have taken great bounds with that. But the FDA identified psilocybin and MDMA as breakthrough therapies. And there are four institutions that are approved to use these in their treatment. And one of them is called the Pearl Psychedelic Institute, which is in Waynesville, North Carolina. We have Dr. Raymond Turpin, uh, the director and the clinician there, come to our lobby day. He spoke, he talked with legislators, he, he made the rounds, he spoke at the press conference. What a humble guy that is tuned in to how to help people. And these substances are not toxic, they're not addictive, and indigenous societies have been using them for centuries. Unfortunately, they got a bad stigmatization in the 60s. Timothy Leary, probably the worst spokesperson for the effort that we could have ever had. Went off the rails. <laughs> but certainly, and what I want to make sure is that this bill does not allow doctors to write prescriptions. We're not going to have dispensaries set up. It's not going to decriminalize them. It's not going to legalize them. They're going to be able to be used in controlled environments. And the research bill is about what administering these compounds to patients should be like. How many people in the room? How long can it take? What do you administer? How is it administered? What is the clinical application in North Carolina going to look like? It's very encouraging. Congratulations. We'll be hoping very sincerely that that continues to advance. And that topic is one that gets seriously studied in our state. We're coming to the end of our time with State Representative John Autry of Mecklenburg County. Gosh, there's so many other questions I'd like to ask. I guess I'll leave you with this, which is another topic you've introduced legislation on is plastics and forever chemicals. We know that PFOS has now become well, it's probably in all of our bodies these days, and it's uh, available in lots of different guises. Um, this is something is an increasingly serious environmental threat and to human health, just explosive 
degradation of plastics in the environment and, and human consumption of them. Talk to us about what maybe we could begin to do at the legislature to get after this problem uh, as we go forward. Well, I'd like all the strict constitutionalists to read Article 14, Section 5 of the North Carolina State Constitution, which says that the protection and perpetuation of our land, our air, and our water is the responsibility of the state, not Kimors, not Duke, not Progress, but the state. And the state has to step up and own it and do everything possible within our means and beyond our means to ensure that my grandchildren and your grandchildren are going to be able to play outside, swim in the lakes, fish from the ponds, and be sure that they have rich earth to grow their food with, plain and simple. And if we're not doing it, we're derelict in our responsibility to the North Carolina Constitution. State Representative John Autry is in his fourth term serving the 100th District in Mecklenburg County. You can, from having listened to this conversation, you can uh, see quite clearly why he's one of the most articulate and eloquent members of the General Assembly and doing incredible work for the people of this state. Representative, thank you so much for your service uh, to our country and to our state. And um, perhaps we'll talk a little bit later this year and uh, catch up on what we hope will be some good news. Very well, Rob. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the work that you and your colleagues are doing every day in North Carolina. Coming up next, one of the state's top political scientists helps us look forward to the 2024 national and state elections. Stay with us. <music> 